back on Day with the Night, and you just heard a preview of Crystal Ball, the latest single by a relatively new duo who have been bubbling up in the New York indie scene and who I feature in the Modern Age playlist, which I'll link to in this episode's description. I'm so excited to be joined by Allison Komita of Shallow Halo. How are you today, Allison? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. What's the weather like in New York? It's pretty chilly, but it's not too bad. I can still like walk around and not feel like I'm freezing. It's like very gloomy and rainy today, so I have a bunch of candles lit and been listening to your album No Fun all day long. Just a very good vibe going, so. Ooh, I love that. You recently opened for Alice Glass. How was that experience? It was a couple days before the show and we got an email, shout out to Julia from Live Nation who reached out to us. I was like freaking out when I saw the email. I was like running back and forth through my apartment, just like super excited. I'm such an Alice Glass fan. And, you know, I like grew up listening to Crystal Castle. So just the idea of being able to open for someone that I've looked up to for so long was like really amazing. And the show itself was incredible. Like it was the biggest show that we've ever played. And her fan base was like so awesome, just super supportive, like super sweet. They just made it easier to perform, like, because I was just vibing off their energy. And yeah, it was so fun. I had my friends May sing vocals on some songs, and it was so much fun. Well, congratulations. That's like a huge show. I actually saw her just a few days prior to your performance with her here in Toronto. It was actually one of her fans who got me into the show at Lee's Palace. So yeah, her fans are super supportive and really sweet. And I've seen you mention in your Instagram post that You were going to shows a lot growing up and in awe of the performers and kind of afraid of failure or scared of making music and that you've come such a long way from releasing the album No Fun back in May to now performing with Alice Glass. Like, how did you get started making and performing your own music when you kind of had this fear? I mean, it definitely doesn't come naturally to me. I've had to work really hard at it, but I think it's been really motivating because it's like pushing me to become this more confident version of myself. And yeah, I've always been going to shows growing up. Like I would go to like two to three shows a week back in high school and I would go to Coachella and I would like borrow my friend's ID so I could camp at the Coachella campgrounds. And like I saw like so many awesome bands and now making music, it's been such an amazing experience. I've just met so many amazing people. It kind of started back in 2019. I wanted to start making music, but I had no idea how to go about it. And it was kind of like meeting the right person at the right time. I was like at this party and I met Harrison, the dare. And he was like, do you want to play in Turtleneck? And I was like, oh, like I've never played in a band before. And he's like, that's cool. And I just like started playing in Turtleneck. And I was so nervous, like those first couple shows and I played synth and had so much fun and the pandemic happened and I was already like hooked on performing and playing music that I was like, I need to keep going. That's when I started Shallow Halo with Ezra. You bought a Korg mini log to start making music with, is that correct? Yeah, I did Mm -hmm. when I first moved to New York. Amazing. What initially like drew you to this instrument? I was drawn to the mini log because growing up, I played the piano and the violin for eight years, each of them. So I wanted to start making music and the synth just seemed like the natural progression from piano. Um, I lived on St. Mark's Place and my room was so tiny it fit 
a twin size bed and a desk. So oh, wow. I needed a, a small synth too. So the mini log was like the perfect size. And it it was like a good like starter synth for me to even learn like what all of the knobs did and everything. Is there like another synth that now that you are performing that maybe you want to try? Oh my gosh, Ezra and I have a really nice collection of synths at our apartment. We, I'm sure you do now. <laughs> yeah, we set up a nice little studio and I think we're like good on synths for a while. If anything, we might like borrow friends synths and do like little synth trades, but Ezra usually plays the Cork Poly 6 for our live shows. It's been really trusty and handy. So what's your desert island synth? I think the Poly 6, yeah, it just sounds like amazing and it just does like so many different things and you can save presets and yeah, it's the best. How did you and Ezra Tenenbaum form Shallow Halo? How did that come about? That came about over the pandemic. Since I've known Ezra, he's been in these power pop bands, the first in Easy TV and then Ezra, but we had never tried collaborating on, on music. I think because our musical tastes are so different. I had these songs that I had started when I first moved to New York six years ago, but I just never finished them. I didn't know how to. I would like try to use Ableton and just like get so frustrated and like cry at my laptop. We decided to start playing music and we ended up just writing like a ton of demos. It just like made sense to start this new project and it was like just really fulfilling to like make music together and that's how No Fun came to fruition. I'm sure it was like very kind of devastating to be playing in a band and having fun performing and then all of a sudden this thing happens and kind of shuts down your creative outlet. Yeah, I think for me it was like I want to learn this thing and now I have the time. Challenge accepted. And just like really deep diving and like learning the ins and outs of recording music and arrangements and lyric writing. And I had so much time. So it was perfect. What was it like releasing your first debut full length album, No Fun, back in, I think it was May, it was released initially, correct? Mm -hmm, yeah, it was also just a really amazing experience. These lyrics are so personal and we put so many hours into like everything, the music, the visuals, like it was all us doing everything. So to have that out and friends and people we didn't know, like listening to it and giving us like good feedback was just like really gratifying and playing shows has been an incredible experience too. And being able to like play these songs that we had worked on for a year, it's just been like amazing. The way the melodies are written and the way the vocals are produced give this like modern dreamy feel to it. So even when you hear something as iconic as like the 80s orchestral hits in some of your songs, you're still getting an overall production that feels very new and fresh. And like even the synth arpeggios don't sound pinned to any one single decade. Like what inspires your sound selection when you're grabbing samples or building drums and synth patches? Like what are the qualities that you're looking for based on sound and feel? That's a good question. All of our songs are recorded um, using analog synths and drum machines. We're not using MIDI for any of the songs. So one of the things that was frustrating using Ableton, it's like overwhelming to have like too many options. So I think by like limiting it to it's like, okay, we have these instruments. These are the sounds we can use. It just makes it a lot easier to like work under those constraints. 
One of the first songs that I listened to, I think, was Ring Pop, which references Corey Kennedy as this like figure that kind of contrasts this suburban malaise, I feel. What was the inspiration behind writing that song and using Corey Kennedy as this symbol within the lyrics? I mean, I think of her as like the first online it girl. And I'm super inspired by that era. You know, I grew up in the suburbs, like an hour outside of LA. And what I saw online, like through these websites, the Cobra Snake and Miss Shapes and Last Night's Party, it really like opened my eyes to like what is out there. Like people at my high school or like middle school, like didn't like listen to that kind of music. So I would like go online and like see like what shows Corey Kennedy was going to from like the Cobra Snakes blog and stay up super late online, like going through the Cobra Snakes website, like saving images of like style inspo. Yeah, same. Yeah. It's like really like near and dear to my heart. Also, I think out of all of those blogs, I resonated with the Cobra Snake because that was all happening in LA. Mm -hmm. So it seemed so within arm's reach. And Corey Kennedy was underage as well. And I was like, oh, wow, like she's so cool. Like that could be me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except I was like way too sheltered to like yeah, even same. like, yeah, be anything close to that. What people sometimes don't realize is that it wasn't the every moment, the stuff that was happening online. So it was only kind of for people who were either involved in the scene or for someone like you or me who are living in a suburb where it's like, there's not much to do. So you're seeing all this stuff happen online and it is sort of this niche little movement almost happening that not all of your peers knew about. So that's really cool that how it inspired the song. And like you've posted photos on your page taken by the Cobra Snake. So like, how did that kind of feel after writing a song like Ring Pop and then having Cobra Snake take your picture? Oh my gosh, that was such a funny, crazy experience. My friend Blake, who plays music as Blake the Man 1000, he was playing at this bar in the East Village KGB bar so me and my friends rolled up just in time for Blake set. Whenever we go to our friends' shows, we just like to be like super enthusiastic and, you know, like just like showing a lot of energy and like going crazy, basically just like being like fangirls for our, our friends. The energy like spreads. Like if other people see it, like they're going to like join you and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Me and my friends were just like screaming and like, oh my God, Blake. And then the Cobra Snake turns around and he's like, I love your guys' energy. And he takes our pictures and he took like so many pictures of us that night. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I'm literally just here like supporting my friend and like the Cobra Snake is taking pictures of us. Like so surreal, yeah. full circle moment. Has he heard Ring Pop? Yeah, I sent it to him and he was like so catchy, like love it. But then afterwards I was like, maybe that's like a little awkward to like send to, because it's like his ex-girlfriend. I'm sure he loved it. You mentioned in the caption of those photos taken by Cobra Snake that you interned for Dim Mac, which I find super interesting, which is for people who don't know Steve Aoki's like brand and was super popular back in the day. So like what made you choose to intern for him? Literally just because I wanted to be like a part of that party scene that I was seeing online and I didn't know like being this kid from the suburbs, like I didn't know like how to get in. So I was like, I'm going to intern for Dim Mac. I probably was the worst intern, honestly. Like I don't even remember like <laughs> what I did that was helpful. <laughs> I remember at the time Steve Aoki like moved to this house in the Hollywood Hills and at the office they'd be like, does anyone want to go to Steve's house in the Hollywood Hills and like help him unpack? And I was like, yes, me, I want to go. 
And I would just like go there and like I had the best time. And like, yeah, he would like give away clothes that he didn't want anymore. And it was just like all these like dim mat clothes. And I would just like take them home and like think it was like the best thing ever. I learned a lot about music too, because we could just like take whatever CDs you wanted. So I just remember like, I lived like an hour from the office, so I would commute an hour there and an hour back. And, oh, wow. Um, In LA yeah. traffic too. Wow. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I'd be playing like Mastercraft and there's this other album by Shinichi Osawa that I really loved. Nice, nice. It was a short internship. It was like three months, but it was definitely an awesome experience. <laughs> I've done that too. Like I did part-time internships for radio stations to see how the music business works or see how like it is sort of behind the scenes when it comes to promoting artists and stuff like that. So I hope you still have all those clothes. Oh my gosh. Unfortunately, I don't think I do, but yeah, I know. (laughs) I think about some of those t-shirts. Yeah. I clean out my closet all the time because I'm like, I don't need all this stuff. But then later on, I'm like, I should have kept that. But I do actually still have like a lot of clothes from back in the day that like I've thought about selling. We'll see. But that's what I was going to say. You probably make some good money on Depop or something or Etsy. Oh, my God. I was so excited when you first started your Instagram. I was like, this is amazing because like I was just like so inspired by that scene growing up that I like DM'd you and I was like, look at this collection of old Jeremy Scott that I've been collecting over the years. And it's just like- I know, yeah. that was amazing. I told Jeremy Scott about that. We've messaged <gasps> a few times and I sent him some of the images of your collection. Oh my God. Honestly, message him because it warmed his heart to see that like people still collect all those items and cherish them dearly. So maybe he'll send you some Jeremy Scott like- Oh my God. I'm like really over-promising here. I don't know what he would do, but- <laughs> You never know. Yeah, you, you never, never know. know. Shoot your shot. Yeah, exactly. You don't ask, you don't get. So that's something I learned from Frankie Chan. And I think that's like an important thing. Oh my God. Actually, I have an amazing story. So I saw the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs a couple weeks ago and it was an amazing show. They played at Forest Hill Stadium and- yeah, yeahs were like my holy grail, like the inspo bands growing up, like their style, Christian joy, like I love them. And back in 2009, my friends and I, we went to Coachella and we waited at the main stage all day so we can be at the front for the yeah, yeah, yeahs. We like really loved Nick Zinner, like he was like our yeah. celeb crush. So we had this poster and we wrote, can we meet you, Nick, please? <laughs> We ended up getting to the front. I think we waited there for like eight hours in the heat and like showed our sign, whatever. Didn't meet them, but Nick Zinner does this thing where he takes pictures of the audience for like every show. Mm -hmm. And I remember he did that at the time. Never saw the photo. I didn't know like if it even was a photo or anything. But um, before this show, a couple of weeks ago, I was like going through my old Facebook pictures and I saw a photo of me and my friend with this sign that says, can we meet you, Nick? So I just sent it to him and I was like, you guys are so inspirational, like super excited to see you guys perform. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I also mentioned that this photo was from Coachella 2009 and he responded and was like, oh my gosh, I think I have the photo. Like, let me look for it. Oh my God. He sent the photo of the crowd. The crowd is insane because it's Coachella and it's at the main stage. So it's just like this huge sea of people. Me and my friends are tiny little ants at the front, and you can see the sign. Oh my gosh. And it was so sweet. I was like, I cannot believe you found this photo, first of all. And like, yeah, 
idol. Yeah, he's a good dude. And that is like one of the pros of waiting at the front. You're more likely to be in the photos from that performance (laughs) and spot yourselves. Like, it must have been painful, though, to wait at the front. Like, I'm guessing you didn't take any bathroom breaks and you weren't drinking much water because you wanted to hold your place. (laughs) Yeah, that's a really cool story. I'm sure you'll meet them very soon. I hope so. (laughs) And then you need to, like, bring back that poster and get them to sign it if you still have kept it somewhere. (laughs) Oh, my God. No, I definitely don't have it. But (laughs) You should redo it or make a shirt or something. But, yeah, they just seem really nice. And I'm sure you will probably be even opening for them or playing with them at some point. You guys have a big, big future ahead of you. I saw you attended a renaissance fair and I low-key kind of think your fashion is like goth renaissance. Do you like sort of vibe with that or no? Oh my God. Yes, 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 yes. That's really funny that you bring that up because we're going to talk about this song that we have out, Crystal Ball, but we also have another song that we're planning on putting out called Renaissance Affair. Oh my and God, it's literally, I love it. <laughs> it's inspired by that trip to the Ren Fair. It was so funny. It was actually like this whole thing, like we opened for Cherry Glazer and that was like right before the Ren Fair. Ezra was out of town, so my friend Rachel Lime filled in and we were wearing our Ren Fair fits at the show and like during stage banter, we're like, we're going to the Ren Fair this weekend. Like everyone should come. And like people came, like we like ran into people and they're like, oh my God, we were at your show and we learned about the Ren Fair and we're here now. And we're like, oh my God, that's so awesome. Those are two amazing things to happen in one day, opening for Cherry Glazer, who I love, and then also going to a Renaissance Fair. I've always wanted to go to those. So I've gone to Comic-Cons and stuff like that. So an anime North. So I'm not afraid of a Renaissance Fair. I'd be like more than excited to put a fit together and oh yeah (laughs) I don't know just chill at the renaissance fair or get a little drunk at the renaissance fair definitely yeah no I love like that whole style too like just like big puffy sleeves it's like very theatrical and elaborate and colorful and I love those shapes. You have really inspiring fashion. It is very theatrical. I love like the opera gloves and like the amazing tights that you're always wearing, which you need to tell me where you get them. And like the way you (laughs) layer stuff is really cool. You studied fashion at one point. Where do you pull your fashion inspiration from? Fashion was actually like my first creative outlet, I guess. And I thought I was going to be a stylist and I did styling for a while and worked in the costume department for a little bit. My personal fashion sense has always come from music. Growing up, it was like Christian Joy. Mm -hmm. Now it's Strawberry Switchblade. They just like go all out with like textures and colors. And I'm really inspired by textures and shapes. And I kind of think about music in that way too, like different synth textures. Actually, before my Instagram handle was Shallow Halo, it used to be Perfect Awful. And that's kind of like my guidelines on like how I dress myself like dressing so over the top that it's like perfectly awful you're gonna coin a new term here and it's gonna be (laughs) all over TikTok and it's gonna be the new thing and that's kind of how I got dressed too like I just kind of like feel it out I have so much clothes so I just kind of keep piling stuff on and pay attention to like the textures and shapes and the right layering and getting just like the right balance and also really inspired by old fashion, like Jean-Paul Gaultier, like runway pieces and new romantic style and like 90s club kids. Those all inspire me a lot. If you had one of your songs play 
like at a designer's runway, like which designer would it be? And which song? Simone Rocha, for sure. Yeah. She's my favorite designer. Yes, I could totally see that. Because it's really like frilly and sweet, but there's also this like punk aesthetic with some of the pieces with like the studs. and There's a bit of a darkness to it, like something a little bit goth to it. I don't know how to describe it, but... Definitely. What inspired the kind of aesthetic in your music video for Falling Stars, which is such a great song? Falling Stars... We made with our friends Judson and Molly Valdez, and they wanted it to kind of play off of the dreamy feel of the song. So they were imagining, you know, a lot of smoke, and they also pulled references from like David Lynch films and like Inland Empire and just like really intense spotlighting mixed with kind of like an unsettling, like creepy vibe. And it was kind of all of those things at once. Even the costumes, my friends Anya styled it. And she pulled this amazing vintage caftan that just like floated. It just like looked amazing on the screen. And I feel like it came out like really embodying the feeling of the song. For sure. And I actually was going to ask you if there were any filmmakers that kind of influenced you aesthetically, but there you kind of answered it. Like I could kind of see that with David Lynch, like any other directors that kind of come to mind that you maybe watch their films for inspiration, even lyrically or just visually. One film that really inspires me is Valerie and her Week of Wonders. Oh yeah. I love that film. That's such a good one. Yeah. I also love how broadcasts has a song referencing that. Yeah. But yeah, just like how it has this surreal fantasy vibe and it's unsettling, but it's also beautiful. And it's about this young woman like starting to understand things and seeing things in her own lens. So I take aesthetic references from that. Yeah. Your name, Shallow Halo, comes from a Cocktoo Twin song, right? Shallow Then Halo. I love mm-hmm. that song. It's like perfect for weather like we're having right now. I saw this comment under a video for that song and it said, the more you listen to it, the less it sounds like a song and the more it sounds like a spell. And I kind of feel that with some of your music. When I was lighting all the candles for today's episode, I was like, oh, I just feel like there's like something very magical about your music. Like, do you sort of aim for the similar underpinning to your music with like your spidery melodies? Yeah, definitely. I feel like some of the songs don't necessarily like make logical sense, like when you really listen to it. But like when I'm writing these songs, I have like images in my head or have like feelings Like Falling Stars, for example, it's like I was picturing myself when I was doing all these fashion internships when I first moved to New York and I'm kind of like drained and in like zombie mode, just like walking through the sidewalks of Manhattan, but also adding this dreamy, like dark element to it, you know, like when fall starts turning into winter and it's like really gray and gloomy. And I feel like the lyrics that I write are just taking from like environment and through the lyrics and the synth melodies, adding like a vibe to it. I kind of heard that with Yesterday's Toy as well, which I fucking love that song. It's such a great song. What was the writing and production process for Yesterday's Toy? What kind of inspired the lyrics and how that song unfolded? So Yesterday's Toy, that song started with Ezra. He was listening to a lot of like cold wave and like 2000s kind of sounding stuff and amateur this band um, who makes really cool like cold wave ish music had just put out an album so 
he was listening to a lot of that. So he showed me like this drum and bass line that he was working on and it sounded like really sick. He like sequenced the bass line on the arpeggiator, kind of had like this like moody, dancey feel to it. So we added some like poly six. And then I usually sing gibberish lyrics first just to get like the melody, yeah. not really like knowing what the song is going to be about. We have this like little room in our apartment. We call it the closet room because it's a closet basically. But um, I don't know, something about like just being in like a really small space, like I'll literally just like lay on the floor, like on my yoga mat. So I just was listening to that on repeat with gibberish lyrics and I just like had this image of walking into a Salvation Army and like seeing this pile of porcelain dolls there. And when you think about them, like they're supposed to be like, you know, in pristine condition and like in a box and unopened. But I feel like whenever you see them at like thrift stores, like they're always tattered and their hair is ratted and you're like, they're like haunted almost. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They just seem haunted. And like their clothes are really cool. Like I'm, oh yeah, I should have like said that like for fashion references. Like I like love all of the elaborate little dresses that those dolls wear. But yeah, I just kind of came up with the story about like walking into a thrift store and like seeing like my long lost doll from my childhood. And it's like my best friend and she's a little haunted, but like has good intentions and we're like reunited. I'm never gonna leave her again. I love that. I love when songs are kind of inspired by that, like the story that you kind of make up in your own head, but it ties to like a feeling that you had when you were younger. Like I personally did have a porcelain doll, but I used to make it face the other way when I went to sleep. Oh my I was God. like, this is so scary. Like, I just don't like the feeling of being watched. And I like eventually did give away that doll. That is kind of like an interesting concept. That's the kind of creativity in your music that I really appreciate. And I think what really makes you stand out as well And it's on the Modern Age playlist for listeners, which is linked in the description. So make sure you check out that song in the playlist, plus Shallow Halo's album, No Fun, which I wanted to ask you about. Why is the album named No Fun? The album is named No Fun because it's just a really fun album. I feel like you can't listen to the album and like not have fun. There's a song called Party Hop. And actually, Harrison plays guitar on also. The last lyric in the song is No Fun. So... We kind of like pull that lyric to tie it all together. What inspired the cover art? We were looking at a lot of like old videos and like CRTV images. And I found this guy, he like ran images like through the CRTV to make them look like that and totally blinking on his name. From the songs to the aesthetics, it's all comes together so nicely. Before I move on to like talking about your new song, Crystal Ball, like You mentioned you played in the band Turtleneck, fronted by Harrison Patrick Smith of The Dare, who was on this podcast previously, and he was featured on your song Party Hop. I think it's really cool to kind of see that you all have this community where you support one another, and I think really cool music comes out from that. What is the current state, in your opinion, of the New York underground scene or just New York's music scene in general? The underground New York scene is thriving and it's been so amazing and inspiring to be a part of. I feel like I joined it like literally just like wanting friends. Harrison and Blake and May Rio, like they're all like my best friends. And I feel like after like a few years, we're like, oh, this kind of feels like it's like a little scene. It's funny because I'm reading Meet Me in the Bathroom right now and seeing a lot of like similarities to what the scene is like now. I know in the book, they would hang out at bars where their friends would bartend at. And we have this spot, Rebecca's, that our friend Christian 
that plays in this band, Precious Human. He bartends there on Mondays and everyone comes out on Mondays. That's like so amazing. It's so awesome. It's like we're all like musicians and we're all just like hanging out there. Our friends, Frost Children, they'll just like DJ there. Like one Monday they were just DJing like Built to Spill songs and everyone just like going crazy. It's like a fun little scene. Even the other day, like yesterday, I feel like I had a little moldy peaches moment. I was at home all day and like hadn't talked to anyone and I was just going stir crazy. And I texted my friend, Garbage Girl. She was like, me and Christian are going to hang out at our friend Richard Orofino's house. We're going to work on a song. Like, do you want to come over? And I was like, oh, I would love to. And then I like went over and like they're making like folk music at Richard Orofino's bedroom. And like, I'm just like, oh, I'll sing some like backup vocals on this and just sang a bunch of harmonies. And it was just like a really wholesome experience. Like all of our music doesn't sound anything like the song that like we were working on last night, which is like also really cool about the scene. It's like everyone's music sounds like totally different from each other, but we're all still like playing shows with each other, playing on each other's stuff. It's really cool to be a part of. That makes me really happy to hear. And I think that's going to lead to a lot more exciting things happening within New York and happening with new music. Speaking of new music, you just released your new song, Crystal Ball. That's one of my favorite emojis. It's the crystal ball emoji. What's the story about how this came together? Crystal ball is actually my favorite emoji too. I use it all the time. <laughs> nice, nice. But um, yeah, it's a song that you listen to and... The beats and the synth melody just kind of take you over. You know, you put your headphones on, you press play, and like all of a sudden you're just dancing and you can't stop. And I love performing and I love seeing people having fun during the performances. I just want to make music that people can dance to. And I think this is a song where you can't not dance if you listen to it. It's a song that's going to make people feel like they're caught in a kaleidoscope. So Yeah, definitely. You've referenced Valerie in her Week of Wonders and Mirrored Nights, Diamond Days. Like, What headspace were you in when you were recording this song? I was picturing crystal balls and kaleidoscopes, but also like a disco ball with like lights shining everywhere. And I mean, the song itself, it's about being toyed around by someone who is unsure and it's about being done with someone's indecisiveness and just saying, I've had enough, make a decision, any decision, or else I'm out. So that's kind of where Mirrored Nights, Diamond Days comes from. Sonically, we were listening to Lady Tron, Big Influence, and Justice, specifically the song Dance. That's amazing. <laughs> Well, I love this song so much. It's really sick. And I can't wait for new stuff coming out from you guys. So thank you so much for joining us on the pod. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And hopefully we can make it to Toronto one day. Like I would love to come out there and sometime and play a show. Yeah, I'd love that. For listeners, make sure you check out Shallow Halo at Shallow Halo on Instagram. And make sure you check out Crystal Ball because it's incredible. And I'm excited for you to all hear it. So thank you so much, Allison. And see you later. See you later. See you later.